Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to The Incline. This is Kevin Klein here. I'm fired up. We have a great show today. We're going to start off with an interview. We're joined by Jimmy Nelson today on The Incline, and we couldn't be more thrilled to have him. Jimmy, how's spring training going? How are you doing today? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Of course. We're very excited. We don't get too many Dodgers pitchers on, so this is quite an exciting opportunity for us as well. But... You know, so we'll start off with this. You know, the Dodgers did sign you last season. Unfortunately, injuries happened and it didn't go your way. But thankfully, they brought you back this season. So we wanted to know kind of if you've spoken to Dave Roberts or Mark Pryor and if they've kind of told you what your role is going to be this season. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I'm, I was more than happy to come back, have the opportunity to come back. Uh, I definitely feel like this is where I want to be and need to be. Um, I mean, everything here is first class. So uh, I know that they're going to help me stay healthy, feeling great right now coming into it, the best I've felt in years. Um, but I think I don't really know. Uh, we'll kind of figure out as we go, you know? Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of fluid, really, and, and I'm completely cool with that. I just want an opportunity, and uh, I'm just thankful and grateful to be healthy right now and have a shot. You know, I know there's a lot of, a lot of guys out there that, still looking for jobs so absolutely we've seen what you can do so we're very excited to have you in the Dodgers organization I also wanted to ask you know you were you pitched a number of years for the Brewers is the environment atmosphere in the Dodgers camp any different different mentality you know um it's just uh it's more mag magnified you know and obviously like it's staffed a little different you know small market big market uh you have a lot more staffed and it's just, I always thought, I thought it was really cool since day one coming over how, uh, you know, you got your strength staff, your pitching, your, I mean, your coaching staff, your strength staff, your training staff, and everybody's just, it's just like one cohesive unit. Um, you know, you got strength conditioning guys that are out there helping you do work on the mound with mechanics just as much as you do a pitching coach. So it's really cool how, um, everything's kind of like interchangeable and it kind of really helps because it's like, you know, in the weight room or the training room, the things you're working on are the same things that are going to help you be productive, healthy, or move the right way on the mound or hitting or throwing or whatever. So it's just, it's just really cool how the whole machine works and how everything works together so well. That's awesome to hear. And then I got one more quick question then I'll pass it off to David. So are there any pitchers, with the Dodgers right now that you've been working with closely since your time um, as a Dodger. And I also wanted to know if you could add to that, you know, you were a teammate with Corey Knable, who we just acquired this off season. Wanted to know a little insight to maybe what kind of personality he's like yeah. or the mentality he brings. Uh, Corey's a good dude. Um, I, I knew since day one, like he was going to be a good fit over here. He's uh, he's good people. And he's coming off of an injury too. He's had a full year under his belt, I think. So, um, and there's already been things like, from the jump that, like I said, you know, from the strength side, you know, in the weight room or just the way that you're moving or 
uh, training room, whatever, like they address things mechanically that they see. So the Dodgers do a really good job of being able to break things down that they see from the past and maybe how like you drifted away from some things mechanically and could have caused a either injury or could have caused like a change in production or like your overall stuff. So um, they've already, they're already working with Corey on some stuff and he's bought in a hundred percent and I knew he would, you know, I, it's funny actually like having lunch and stuff with him sometimes and he's in the locker next to me hmm. hearing him say some of the things he's saying about his time here so far, even though it's only been like a week or two and the things that he's saying about the organization and the way things are going, like it's some of the same things that I was saying last year when I was being introduced. So it's really cool to see that. And, um, you know, it just shows how great everything works together. And I, I think he's going to have a big year, you know, I think they're going to help, help him, you know, get back to the form he had and he's going to be just as good, if not better. Well, it's, it's great to hear that you're healthy. Um, you know, you've had several phenomenal years in Milwaukee and it's, it's I'm really looking forward to seeing what you can do in, in Dodger blue. Uh, my first question is what's it like, you know, being around such a talented group of pitchers. I mean, you got Clayton Kershaw who's obviously a first ballot hall of famer. And then you got veterans like price and you yeah. like Arias and may and Gonsolin. And now you got Trevor Bauer in there. So does, does being around, you know, guys like that, does that fuel your competitiveness? Is that like, do you, do you work off of these guys? What just, what's it like being in such a talented? Oh uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's just, um, it's just cool company to be around, you know, even if like just during stretch or in the locker room or weight room or whatever, just being around those guys, seeing how they care themselves. Um, and just, not being scared to ask those guys questions and feeding off their experience, you know, uh, especially guys like, you know, David and Kirsch, like, I mean, those guys that have been in a year and in the big leagues for 10 plus years, I mean, they have a lot of knowledge of a lot of different things. So, um, you know, just trying to hang around those guys and kind of pick up on some of their, their, their habits, so to speak. And I mean, it's, it's pretty fun just to be around. And obviously I think, I feel like this team, everybody realizes like, you know, we've got a lot of guys, you know, we got a lot of, I mean, we got probably two rosters full of big league yeah, talent. Yeah. So it's like really, and I think the way that everybody's going to perform their best is like, you don't feel any pressure. You don't feel any like crazy expectation or, you know, external pressure to perform because there's like one through nine, the lineup's ridiculous. And then same thing with like the pitching staff. I mean, bullpen's ridiculous. And so is a starting rotation. So it's like, um, you know, it's not like a team where there's like three or four guys that have to carry the team that feel like they have to do it every single day. So being able to kind of relax and kind of know that you have support, like you actually end up in turn, start playing and performing better. So this, I don't know if it's necessarily like one person pushing another person to be more mm -hmm. competitive or produce. It's more of like a thing that like you can like just mentally relax and like let the game come to you or like slow the game down so to speak um and not put as much pressure on yourself which allows you just to like naturally perform so that's kind of how i feel like it looks from the outside looking in like oh they're pushing each other you know and yeah you do learn things from other guys and there is like friendly competitions and you know but you're not really you're only competing against yourself you're not really competing against a bunch of other guys and so it's just, like I said, mainly like a mental thing to where you can just kind of relax, take care of your business. You don't feel like you have to do certain things and the game starts coming to you and that's when it becomes fun.
Right on. Um, so my next question would be, I know it's only been a week, but what, you know, this, this Dodgers, especially the farm system and these young guys are super, super talented. So has anyone jumped off the page just in a week from you? Like who, who's impressed you so far? Well, um, like pitcher, pitchers, pitchers, yeah, wise? pitchers, anyone. Oh man. I mean, everybody's been throwing it well already. We've, we've had the first couple of days of live BPs here. And uh, I mean, you're hearing great feedback from, a lot of guys, uh, I mean, you got D-May throwing 101 already. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're talking about the Grom in New York throwing 99. Well, D-May like one up them, you know? Yeah. That's just crazy to me. But, I mean, there's a lot of studs. I mean, it's hard not to be impressed by them all. For sure. So, okay, my last one's kind of a silly one. I know you've only been around the team for a week, but you, you were around a little bit last year, and you know some of the guys. Who is the funniest player in the clubhouse? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to think on it. Okay. I'll have to think on it and get back to you. All right, and I'm I'm a huge Blake Trinan guy, so I I you know yeah. a little backstory. You know, I wrote I wrote an article before the Dodgers signed him, basically pounding my fists on the table for the Dodgers to sign him because I'm a huge you know believer in him, and obviously that worked. So just one one quick question on him: He's very tough to read from the outside. You don't get a lot from him as a fan watching him. So give me a little give me a little insight in, into the mind of Blake Trinan. Uh, I mean, yeah, Blake's a good dude. I mean, he's. Uh... He's a definitely a guy that like, you know, is very engaging. So he's like always talking about things, whether it's like pitching or like, so he's definitely a huge help to a lot of guys. And, um, I kind of had a vibe, like whenever we got Corey, I was like, man, I bet you Blake and Corey are going to be throwing partners. Like those guys are going to hit it off because very, very similar, like personality types, good dudes and just, um, so sure enough, they're throwing partners already. And, um, no, like Blake's a good dude to have. And I mean, he's disgusting. He's nasty too. Yeah. yeah. And that's like one of the guys that the Dodgers do a good job. Like they bring this guy in that had a bad year and they address like a couple of things mechanically and he, you know, figures it back out and now he's locked back in, you know? And so that's, that's what they, they do a really good job of that year. And like, just attacking that from all angles. I mean, you know, so it's, uh, I mean, we're glad to have Blake. He's a, he's a, he's a good one to be a fan of. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I have one final question for you. Do you remember what happened on June 2nd, 2017? Um, was it father's day? Was it the CG? <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember that those that no, part. No. Probably it couldn't be though if it was June second. No. All right, I'll tell you then. I'll give you a hint though. You were facing the Dodgers that day. You were going toe to toe with Clayton with Kershaw. Kershaw. Yeah, that was one of the best games of my career. Yeah. I remember then, watching that game, and I was Corey, so impressed. Yeah, and even Corey pitched in that game. He did. I looked that up. I don't. I wasn't going to bring it up because I think he gave up a run <laughs> after. But yeah, you had yeah. eight shutout innings, and you struck out eleven Dodgers. Didn't walk anyone. Yeah, no, that was a good game. I was I was in a good stretch right there. I, uh, you know, I had a I had a few bad years in Milwaukee, and I was trying to really I was battling through a lot of things, trying to figure a lot of things out. Uh, went through a lot of mental stuff too, and finally was able to put it together in seventeen. 
and um, was able to just like hold on to that and consistently know what that was like from a physical standpoint and a mental standpoint. And that Dodgers game, I'm pretty sure, was in like the middle of like a three or four game stretch that I had that was really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm looking forward to, you know, getting back to that type of form. Yeah, I can't wait Absolutely. to see that. It's really good to hear that you're healthy. I appreciate yeah, we're, it. Yeah. We're rooting for you, definitely. I remember watching that game. I, I had already known who you were, but I'm yeah. pretty sure you were on my fantasy team that year. And if it helps, you helped me win the championship. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was pumped. I remember it was like the eighth inning, and it was like one nothing game. It was like guy on third. I got the double play, man. That was pumped. That was one of the most like pumped I've been for a game like a that situation right there. Yeah, that was so. That was that was definitely a memorable one. Yeah, that that was impressive for sure. Well, Jimmy, we just want to thank you for coming on the incline today. We're definitely rooting for you, and we can't wait to see you pitch this spring training, and hopefully with the big club later this season. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks. Give our this. give our best to uh, Josiah Gray, who's a, who came on the show a little bit, a little oh, bit nice. ago. Yeah, yeah. Give a, sure. give our best to him, and tell and tell Blake Trinan to uh, respond to my IG message. He, <laughs> he responded he responded to Twitter, but then he, he got rid of his Twitter, and he said he would come on, and now I haven't heard from him. So yeah. give, give him an earful for me, please. All right, I will. All right, thanks, Jimmy. We really Thanks, appreciate Jimmy. it. No problem. See you, fellas. Have a good one. See ya. See ya. Yeah, so that was a really awesome interview we just had with Jimmy Nelson. David, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it's super nice to see that he's healthy and feeling good again. Uh, if he can get, get that 2017 form back, uh, the Dodgers just will have another weapon in the starting rotation or the bullpen. Uh, this super cool dude, uh, very humble and, and, and you know, honest about where he's at and his teammates and, and how the Dodgers, you know, well, the one thing that struck me from that interview is just another person just vouching that how great the Dodgers organization is. Uh, you know, he's like, he said, Corey Knable has only been there one week and, and Corey's already raving about how the Dodgers just do it perfectly. So I think that's what stuck out to me, but Jimmy's a super cool guy. Yeah. So this is an exciting time, especially because we got our first spring training game on Sunday. And normally, you know, I kind of go into spring training, just, it's whatever. I, I like it, but I'm, I'm actually really excited for this year more than in years past. I don't know if it's because the Dodgers are reigning champions, but I think we have a number of awesome storylines that we're going to talk about, but Jake Reiner, how's it going? Good, man. Good. Good to see you guys again. Um, yeah. The, the Jimmy Nelson interview, honestly, for, for me looking at this Dodgers rotation and we'll get into it a little bit, they understand that they know they're going to need every arm possible. So they've, they've built up, you know, eight, seven, eight guys that they know that that can, that can start on any given day. And with injuries, with guys age, you know, if you want to give a guy, you know, a rest, a skip, a start or whatever they, whatever they need to do, they're, they're going to have to rely on everyone. And so they, the Dodgers have done a nice job creating this depth, but you know, I'm excited too, for spring training. I think this is really exciting. I think being the, the reigning champs has a lot to do with it. I also think not really worrying about this team has a lot to do with it as well. We know that this team is about as, you know, valued as it should be. It's not overvalued. It's not undervalued. It's right where it needs to be. They are the cream of the crop uh, in major league baseball. They are the team to beat. And a bunch of the storylines that we're following throughout spring training are just fun storylines. It's, it's not so much, Oh, like we don't have a left fielder or, Oh, like we're worried about the bullpen. Yeah. The offense is good, but the, but the pitching is bad. No, every single aspect of this team is good. And that's why it's, it's, it's exciting to be a Dodgers fan. Yeah. So let's just, let's get into this right now. 
first noteworthy thing, the Dodgers play the Oakland Athletics on Sunday, and they're going to start with Mike Kickham, a journeyman left-handed pitcher. He's 32. He signed with the Dodgers in January. I mean, if we're being a realist here, I don't expect a whole lot of, out of him. He does have some velocity in his fastball, but let's get into the exciting stuff. Justin Turner is back. He signed The team announced he signed a two-year deal. If you look at the pictures of him standing next to teammates, he's looking really thin. I don't know if he's yeah. been hanging out with Tyler White or the Tom Brady diet, but uh, David, what are your thoughts on Turner and just how he's looking? You know, I, there was a time in the offseason when a lot of Dodgers fans online were, were calling, not a lot, but but some were calling Turner maybe washed up or old or not can't, just can't stay healthy. And I think he saw that. And I think he wanted to prove to maybe just himself or, or anyone that, no, he's not washed up. He's not old. Maybe he's 36, but he's not old in terms of baseball. Uh, and he looks as good as I've seen him as a Dodger physically. Uh, this is, you know... I've, I've always been a Turner fan. I, I, I wanted him back from day one. I predicted he would be back from day one. I basically wagered the family farm. He would be back on day one, but uh, he looks great. Everybody looks great. Uh, but another thing to keep in mind is don't buy into the best shape of my life comments from Dave Roberts. He's going to say that no matter what, uh, look at, look at it for yourself. Let these guys play out and, and it's going to be an exciting spring. Yeah. He passes the eye test for sure. I know that, you know, Dave Roberts and, and whoever else you ask, they're going to say that they're in the best shape of their lives, but we know what we see. And I agree. Looking at those pictures, pictures of Justin Turner, he looks toned. He looks in shape. Um, hopefully he can stay on the field and stay healthy. We don't need him to play 162. We have enough depth on this team to play third base, whether it's Chris Taylor or Edwin Rios or Matt Beatty or even Max Muncy. Um, we can move over there. So they're not going to need him to play the full 162. And that's what's the, that's that's why this team is so stacked is because you know, you, you can, you can allow for Justin Turner to have a few days off here and there, and it's not, you're, you're not going to really lose that much of a step. Yeah. Jake, you said on the field and one of the biggest motivations for Justin Turner that he said this go around to repeat as world series champions is he wants to be on the field this time when they're hoisting up the trophy, because it just sucks that that moment got taken away from him. So I love that this team as a whole, they're kind of using that as their, overall motivation to repeat get that proper parade and all that but let's talk about max muncie i know you guys also followed it his comments on mlb trying to deaden the ball up a little bit so what were your takeaways on that yeah here's my take enough enough with the ball pick one i don't care which one if you're gonna juice it up juice it up if you're gonna deaden it deaden it but you can't keep going flip flop flip flop this is not how this works. I'm tired of this ball debate. Again, like I said, I don't care which ball you use. If you're gonna if you're gonna juice it up, go ahead. The the one thing I can't stand is what what they did in 2019, is have a ball during the regular season and then they deadened it before the playoffs. Obviously, they haven't necessarily admitted this per se full on, uh, but it was basically implied, and that's not okay. It's simply not. Uh, yeah, they I did the opposite it, in 2017. The the ball they actually yeah, juiced it up a little bit. Exactly. Uh, so this is you got to just pick one. It's plain and simple. I've had enough pick a ball. I, I think it's worth uh, mentioning uh, Muncie's full statement on this because it is really interesting. He said, uh, quote, does them deadening it mean the pitchers don't throw 100 miles per hour also? That was my only question. I feel like the whole game is kind of triggered against the offense. And now they're taking the one sole advantage that we have. 
maybe or maybe not the ball was a little bit juiced. They obviously never confirmed that. Them saying they're deadening the ball was kind of heartbreaking, is what Max Muncie said. And yeah, I, I agree. It's you know, it's hard enough to hit the ball when these guys are throwing 100 to 102 miles an hour, and that is you know, the, the advantage to uh, hitting the ball, you know, to focus on launch angle and try to hit the ball out of the park. I guess what major league baseball is trying to do, they're so concerned with pace of play. They want the ball to be put in play more often. And that's why they are, uh, you know, making it so the ball doesn't, you know, fly out of the stadium that there's more opportunity for, for, you know, doubles and triples. But the problem is, is that teams in front offices don't, value av- batting average doubles and triples they value home runs yeah and so when you're evaluating a player you're not looking at his batting average you're looking at his on base percentage which is one of the outcomes right walk home run or strikeout they don't really care that much about strikeouts they care about walks and home runs so it, you can't really it's not really going to affect pace of play in my opinion it may even even make the offense worse than what it is now yeah, MLB's just being stupid on this. They need to do a better job of just hearing their fans out because they seem to just be doing the opposite. But Cody Bellinger, as we all know, had off-season shoulder surgery due to – he doesn't want to blame it on Kike Hernandez, but I think that's the root of no, the cause. No, that's exactly what no, happened. No, that is exactly like, – it's video evidence. It's, yeah, there's no secret. That, that's what happened. So Kike is no longer on the team, so we don't have to worry about that. But so far, the progress is looking good. He's – on pace, if not ahead of schedule. And, you know, do you guys think we're going to get Audier Bellinger this season? Because obviously he changed his swing up uh, last season and he was off to a slow start. But it's important to note, you know, the last 20, 25 games or so, he had an OPS over 900. And then in the postseason, he really just put it all together. The big home run off Chris Martin. So I'm, it, Cody Bellinger proved us kind of wrong that the swing was fine. All I'm going to say is I'm glad that Kike Hernandez tied up that game in game seven of the NLCS. Otherwise I would have been really upset with him after uh, Cody Bellinger hit that home run and he dislocated his shoulder, but you know, all right, fine. We're not going to, he didn't mean to injure his, his own teammate, but I think what, what's, what's telling because Bellinger spoke with the media the other day. He said that he expects to be in the opening day lineup, which is good. He is progressing further than he expected to. And that if it comes to it where he doesn't feel 100% or he feels like he can only, you know, bat but can't play the field, he's not going to go out there and play the field. So, and again, you know, it comes down to this, this idea uh, with this team where we're not so heavily reliant on Cody Ballinger. You know, we would obviously benefit from him performing and, and being in the middle of that lineup for sure. But this offense is so stacked that you could allow Cody Ballinger the time he needs to heal to 100% and not lose a step without him, which I think is great. I think the Dodgers should be taking as long of time as they need. And Cody Ballinger should take as long of a time he needs to recover. Don't rush it back we have the luxury to fill in that gap, throw Chris Taylor out there and you're fine. I'm expecting big things from Cody Bellinger. I am. Uh, the, the main reason is this year, they are going to allow in-game video use. They did not do it in 2020. Uh, it's going to be modified. So they're going to black out the catcher's signs on the video. Thanks to the Astros and the Red Sox. But Cody Bellinger is going to have a big season. I, I'm calling it now. This dude is, you know, he'll get healthy. He'll get healthy in the, in the first couple of weeks. Like Jake said, maybe don't rush him into it. Maybe give him some off extra off days, but 
with I'm telling you, the the video factor is going to be huge for Cody Bellinger. It is. I, I expect not quite maybe 2019 NL MVP numbers, but not too not too far off at all. Yeah, of course, uh, the media had to ask Corey Seager where, what the status was on his contract extension. And Corey Seager was pretty blunt. He said he doesn't want to talk about free agency. His focus right now is on this upcoming season. And he just added that he doesn't want this to be a distraction. With Seager being a Scott Boris client, I honestly don't know if we're going to see an extension. I think Seager is in for a monster year. There's five different projections on fan graphs where they got Seager pegged at 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 100 runs scored, 350 on base. And if he can put up those type of numbers, then his best bet is to go into free agency because that dude is about to be paid. Yeah, Seager is, is, does not uh, – he does not elaborate on a lot. So I, I didn't expect him to go into all of his thoughts and feelings about playing during a contract year. But I think the only thing that that is, you know, you can you can knock against Seager is the fact that he has had some trouble staying on the field. If he's healthy and we saw it last year and we definitely saw it in the playoffs, if he's healthy, he's the best shortstop in baseball. But his problem is is staying healthy. So I, I, I hope that he can maintain the health that he had last year. It was sort of like a. Uh, you know, a, a secondary breakout year for him. Obviously he came on the scene and won, you know, NL rookie of the year in, tw- in 2016. And then um, in 2018, he had that, you know, uh, those, those terrible injuries and he forced us to trade for Manny Machado. And then 2019 was a down year for him coming back from those injuries. And then 2020 was like an unbelievable season for him, historic. And for him to just absolutely tear through the, the best of the best in baseball in the postseason was a thing of beauty to watch. And yeah, if, if Seager's healthy, he's going to crush it. That, that's the only thing that uh, plays against him ever, I think. You know, that, guys, that 2021 shortstop class is something else. I mean, oh, this is historic, oh my God. historic class. Well, you know, guys, definitely talented when he's having a down year in 2019 and still leads the league in doubles hit. Yeah, he can so, hit doubles in his sleep. Yeah. So, I wanted to ask you guys, who are some hitters that are on your guys' radar that you feel maybe they're on the brink of making the roster, they're on the roster right now, they need to prove themselves, just like a couple hitters who need to have a good spring training? Um, he's going to make the roster, but my guy to watch is Edwin Rios. Uh, there's going to be some opportunities. Turner's not going to play necessarily every single day. They got, they're going to win 100 games, so they're not going to just throw these stars, especially the older ones, in every single day. Uh, Rios is going to get some opportunities, and I think we we saw what he can do with the with the power. I think his his home run to at bat ratio is either first or second in, in MLB history at this point in his career. Uh, but I'm I'm more interested in see you know seeing him drive the ball in the gaps. I, I like to, I'd like to see him get some doubles, get on base, uh, and see what he can do over a, a larger sample size of at bats. I think his defense is solid. I would like to see how that plays out in spring training as well. But Rios is my guy to watch as a you know, not someone who's going to start necessarily, but someone who's going to be maybe the guy off the bench. Rios, yeah, is, another... Rios is jacked, by the way. Just, yeah, he, he is. He put on some muscle. Yeah, he did. And that's one of the one of the best swings in baseball. I mean, if you've ever if you've ever seen Edwin Rios connect with the baseball, it's pretty, pretty gorgeous. Um, another guy that I'm watching is Matt Beatty. I think that uh, Beatty kind of struggled last year. He didn't really get as much playing time as he did in uh, 2019. 
Um, so looking for him to be, you know, to have a nice spring. I think that there are a couple of guys that sort of need to, you know, re prove themselves, if you will, um, during this spring, Matt Beatty being one of them, Gavin Lux being another, uh, Dave Roberts was talking about how Gavin Lux is, you know, is not guaranteed to be the starting second baseman, even though we kind of project him to be, um, he still needs to perform well in spring and last, last season, it was kind of wonky. He didn't really, you know, get that much of an opportunity, but he, he did struggle, uh, not only offensively, but defensively in those intra-squad games. So I'm really looking for Gavin Lux to kind of, you know, own that position and take it over. And I'm also looking forward to the Dodgers saying, you know what, we've held on to you for so long. You're, we think you're ready and we want to give you this opportunity and see what you can do with it. And then the other player uh, just very quickly is Zach McKinstry. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he kind of fills that Kike Hernandez role. Uh, We know that he is versatile. He can play all over the field. We know that he's been talking to Chris Taylor and Justin Turner and Max Muncie, sort of the older veteran guys to kind of get, you know, his, uh, you know, pick their brains as to how to, to operate. And especially, you know, CT three, cause he's moving into the pretty much the same role that CT three has right now. So I'm really excited to watch Zach McKinstry in spring. Yeah. I'm excited about McKinstry. How about too. the mullet? How about the mullet too? Oh, got some killer. lettuce back there. Looks like a killer. hockey player. I think he's in for a pretty big role with the Dodgers. And yeah, that versatility you mentioned is very key. He can play all over the field. So I think he's going to steal the job for Matt Beatty. But um, one deep dive that I'm really interested in seeing is Matt Davidson. Now, he hasn't really performed the last couple of seasons, but he's still only age 29. In 2017, 2016, whatever those years were with the White Sox, one year he belted 26, 28 home runs. He crushed his left-handed pitchings in that following year. He had 20 home runs. Then he kind of dropped off. But if there's a team that can find hidden gems, it's the Dodgers. And this guy has mashed lefties in the past. And what's kind of interesting with Davidson is they're trying to turn him into like a two-way player. So I don't know if it's the Brett Eibner effect. I know it didn't work out with Eibner. He ended up having to get Tommy John surgery due to it. But, you know, we're going to see, unless the DH gets added last second, we might see some hitters throw this season. And – Maybe it's not this season, but Davidson could have like a Max Muncie resurgence out of nowhere. Yeah, and then the other Sheldon Sheldon Noisy too. And that's my other guy, Sheldon Noisy. I I didn't know who he was when they first acquired him, but then I looked into who this player is. I'm really excited. We know that Friedman had been looking for another right-handed bat, and with Kike gone in free agency, now you can plug in Noisy. I think he's going to make the roster at some point and play a number of games at third base, if not somewhere else in the infield. This guy's just, he raked in the minor leagues, and I think he's got some tremendous upside. And, you know, when you mentioned, like, guys like Turner, maybe Bellinger, they need to sit them just to, it's a long season. Noisy could be the next Chris Taylor, Kike, and just shine as a Dodger. So let's talk about some pitchers now. Obviously, we heard Jimmy Nelson earlier. He's going to be in the mix of things, but there are eight starters apparently in the mix. This is probably the most depth I've ever seen in the Dodgers rotation. So just some guys that you're looking at. Uh, I'll start with Julio Urias. Apparently, he is the one that's in the best shape of his life. And I know some people want to have him in the bullpen, but I think that's just a waste of talent. This is the season where I think Urias is potentially a Cy Young breakout candidate. He's only 24. He absolutely shined in the postseason. He wasn't just getting three out saves. He was mowing down guys, getting nine outs. And he was at one point the number one pitching prospect in baseball. 
I think this is a big season for Urias, and I would consider him a lock unless something crazy happens in that rotation. Yeah, I mean, Julio's going to be the guy. They're, we've heard it time and time again, training wheels, training wheels, training wheels. No more. We, we, we talked about this last year. It was time to, time to unload the training wheels, and look what, they, look what happened. They, Roberts did it. And he let him go in the World Series. He let him go in the NLCS. He let him go against the Padres. And it, and it worked out. So I think this is his first full chance to be like, yep, you're in the rotation. You're a starter. And it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with May and Gonsolin. Maybe hopefully maybe a six-man rotation because I'd love to see Dustin May get consistent starts. Uh, but Julio has earned his place. He's, he's put in the work. He's put in the time. He's been in the organization for a long time. He's earned his spot. And, and to that point, I think – Last year, we were talking about how the Dodgers may have had too many starters and we didn't know if they were going to get their opportunities. And then what? And then look what happened. I mean, you had Kershaw go down with an injury. You had Walker Bueller had some blister issues. David Price opted out. So they really, truly need all of those arms. And they're all going to make starts, whether it's, you know, Dustin May, Jimmy Nelson, if he's healthy, Tony Gonsolin. Those guys are going to make starts because who knows how Kershaw is going to be this season. Who knows if Walker Bueller will develop those blisters again. David Price is another veteran pitcher. You know, what does he have left in the tank? All those guys are going to get starts. And I think um, come playoff time, because the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs, then you can decide whether or not you want to throw Urias in the bullpen then because you know he can handle it and he's going to be you know your your wild card sort of your you know last minute kind of acquisition if you will right before the postseason by sticking him in 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 the bullpen if your top starters are Kershaw Bueller and Bauer or or uh, Kershaw Bauer and Price you know you can mix and match those guys in, in, in the postseason have that unbelievable weapon like Urias out of the bullpen, but I would definitely not start out with Urias in the bullpen. They don't need that at this point. The bullpen is solid enough right now to, to give Julio that op- the opportunity to start every fifth or every sixth day. hundred yeah, I mean, Here's the, here's the reality. They're not going to just have each of their starters go out there and throw six innings, seven innings. I would be shocked if we don't see, someone like David Price who hasn't pitched in over a year, if he's not getting four to five innings, most outings to begin the season, he's a, he's an aging veteran. They're going to want to ease him back in. And I think we're going to see a number of piggyback days with where we could see Tony Gonsolin start the game, maybe go four innings. And then they bring Dustin May out of the bullpen. Same thing could go for Jimmy Nelson, but you know, Trevor Bauer is probably the only guy that they're going to let him pitch as much as he wants. But even Walker Buehler, I don't expect him to go 200 innings. They don't want any of these guys to go down with injuries because they know, as you mentioned, Jake, they were kind of straggling along to find starters in the postseason. And that's the agenda at the end of the day, to have full depth, everyone healthy, and eye on the prize. And, and one more thing about that. I think the, the thing that the three of us really stressed when we were doing our postseason analysis was – Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin had never done what they were asked to do in the postseason. They were never asked to, to be openers or go one inning or one to two innings before. So I really do like that piggyback idea because it'll give them that experience they need to where come playoff time, we're going to need them again. 
and it, you could throw them out there if a starter, you know, just doesn't have it that night. And you can, you know, bring Dustin May out of the bullpen and he can give you, you know, three to four innings out of the pen. To have that experience during the regular season is going to be huge. So I really do like that idea. Yeah, Jimmy Nelson mentioned Dustin May. He's really impressed by him. He's throwing 101 miles an hour this spring, so he's, he's on. He's in spring training, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. at, the, at this point, he's, you know, what are we going to see, 104? Like, <laughs> what's the limit here? I, he's, I, I mean, the this sky, guy's potential David, the is – The the limit. Yeah, space, Mars, Elon <laughs> Musk. So let's talk about Trevor Bauer real quick. You know, he hasn't been too quiet oh, boy. this, this offseason, but I'm okay with it. You know, he got into some beef with Noah Syndergaard on Twitter. So that was a fun exchange. Let the record state that Syndergaard started that one. He did. And Syndergaard... As is, as is common when Trevor Bauer gets in a Twitter feud, he oftentimes, 99 out of 100, does not start it. Yeah. Thor is so soft for what it's worth. But Jake, I know you have the quote um, by Trevor Bauer. They asked him about facing Manny Machado this upcoming season. So it was... Hoping you could read that real quick. Yeah, of course. I mean, for those of you that don't know, Machado has a pretty good line against Bauer. He's 10 for 17. That's a 588 batting average, 667 on base percentage, a over 1,000 slugging, over 2,000 OPS, four home runs, two doubles, six RBIs, and, and three strikeouts. And Bauer, when asked about this, because we know that they're going to face the Padres quite a bit, and Machado, Bauer said, this is my time. I'll flip that script real quick. Yeah, so you love to see the it. optimism right there. Also in that same interview on Sports That LA, Trevor Bauer acknowledged that he's about to enter his 30s, and he's very optimistic that his 30s are going to be better than his 20s. So now, given that he's wearing a Dodgers uniform, you love to see it. And guys like Clayton Kershaw calling him a genius behind, with the baseball. So, so far... People were fearing that he'd be a distraction in the clubhouse, and it appears to be the complete opposite. I mean, look, he is what he is online, but he's he's a nerd who loves baseball in the clubhouse, and that's yeah. all that the Dodgers really want from him. And and to the point about his his you know sort of quote unquote feud with Noah Syndergaard, I really enjoy that stuff. I think that that stuff is what you know baseball needs in terms of trying to get you know that that, that younger you know, fan base to get involved. I think that, that, you know, they want to see players like that interact. They want that, that sort of feud going uh, between uh, two guys that are very outspoken on Twitter. Obviously there is a line and Trevor has crossed that line in the past and he knows that. Um, unfortunately though, there are all, they're always going to be those, that crowd of people that will just never like him, no matter what, no matter if he, you know, apologizes, if he, you know, sends the, uh, the people he's wronged, uh, an edible arrangements, it doesn't matter. They're right. always, they're always going, they're always going to be those dissenters out there. Um, but I think as Dodgers fans, you're rooting for the Jersey, you're rooting for, uh, the team. Every time he goes out, um, you're a true Dodgers fan. If you're rooting for the team to win, you're not, if you're rooting against the guy to fail. Um, and I think that that's an important point, but I, but, you know, obviously I, I you know, as, as, as a casual observer of Trevor Bauer over the years, I, you know, I wasn't okay with how he handled uh, some of those, you know, harassment things on Twitter. I thought he took it too far. Um, and I think he knows that he's acknowledged that. So hopefully moving forward, he doesn't get caught up in that again. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it's so it's very you're anyone is allowed to have their opinion of what they think is, you know, not okay and okay. And if you think it's too far, then that's that's totally cool. 
Um, but you know, I've said this before on the podcast. I, I'm a Dodgers fan. I, I I want these guys. I what I care about is what these guys do on the field. Now, I still care about them, you know, being good people to some degree. But do I care about his beliefs and political beliefs, whatever they may be? No, I I, I just simply don't care. Uh, anyone's allowed, just like we're allowed to not like a player. Uh, they're allowed to have their own opinions about whatever they want. Uh, so I think that's imp- an important distinction to make. Um, and I liked what you said, you know, some people are just going to hate this dude regardless. And that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but you know, I think the majority of fans are going to care about what he does on the field and that's a much easier way to approach being a baseball fan, in my opinion. And look, if, if, and I'll just say this, if, if the good guys on the team, quote unquote, the good guys, you know, Justin Turner, Clayton Kershaw, all those, all those guys that we love. Um, if they, you know, approve him, give them, give him the seal of approval. That's good enough for me. Exactly. That's what matters. If if one of those guys were to come out and say, this dude sucks, this dude, we need to get this guy out. Then I'm going to side with them. Yeah. Let's close it out with bullpen talk. And I'll start with, here we go again. Dave Roberts has named Kenley Jansen, the closer. (laughs) So I'll let you guys dive into that first. I'm just going to say real quick about this. Um, I, I think that, with the way things are going in major league baseball, the closer role is sort of ceremonial at this point. I think what the Dodgers have shown or what they showed in the postseason is that they have a number of what they call high leverage relievers. They don't call them middle relievers or setup men or closers anymore. They're high leverage guys. They're guys that you bring in to where you need to get an out real quick. It's usually high pressure guys on base, that sort of thing. And I think that Kenley Jansen, who has the most career saves uh, as, you know, for any Dodger ever, um, he's earned the right to be the closer, just like Clayton Kershaw's earned the right to be the opening day starter. Now, are you saying that Kershaw is your ace by saying he's the opening day starter? No, because there are a number of pitchers on the Dodgers staff right now that may be better than Kershaw. Trevor Bauer may be better than Kershaw at this point, but you got to understand that Kershaw has been in the league for, you know, 13 years. So it's more of a ceremonial thing. I think when the, when it gets down to it and Dave Roberts showed that in the postseason, he's not going to turn to Kenley Jansen because personally, when I watch Kenley Jansen in a high leverage situation, I'm uncomfortable. I'm not confident that he's going to be able to get the job done, but they are going to make him the closer. He is going to have the ninth inning on a number of days, but it's going to be a mix and match thing. You're going to see Trine in that role. You're going to see Gratterall. You're going to see Victor Gonzalez. You're going to see Knable if he's healthy. You're going to see all of those guys be in that role. So I think people just need to stop freaking out that like, oh my God, it's going to be Kenley or bust and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the way this team is set up. They're set up so that they could have pretty much anybody on any given night be that guy for them. And that's how they're going to operate. I'm going to agree before Kevin, you know, defends Kenley's honor here a little bit. It's, it's totally fine to, to have him as a closer to start the season. I, you know, he's, he's earned that much at least. Uh, like Jake said, there's going to be a mix and match role. There's going to, you're, I think you could see five to seven guys getting saves this year for the Dodgers. I don't think they're going to just have one closer. I, I truly, truly don't. Um, so, so is this move fine? Yeah. Who cares? The Dodgers are going to win a hundred plus games who they have in what role to start the season means absolutely nothing. And we saw that last year uh, when it came to the world series, we didn't see Julio Arias closing games during the regular season. I don't think he did it once. And then in the playoffs, it was, yep, it's Julio time to shut the door. So 
opening day closer. Yeah, he deserves it. Just like Clayton Kershaw deserves to start opening days. It's, it's ceremonial. That's, that's about it. And is he, is Kenley Jansen still serviceable? Yes. Is he what he used to be before game two of the 2017 world series? No. Uh, and Dave Roberts knows that uh, it's going to be a bit tough for our stomachs. If he keeps trotting him out there when he's struggling. Uh, but when it comes down to it in the playoffs, can't believe I'm saying this, but after last year, I trust Dave Roberts. I'm not there yet, but the amount of disrespect that Kenley Jansen is getting by a number of Dodger fans, it needs to stop. It just, yep. it needs to stop. People are treating this guy like he's some gas can thrower, like Brandon League, where every time Jansen's going to come into the game, something bad is going to happen. That's just not the case. Am I saying I want him to close out a World Series game, one run deficit, one run margin lead? No, I'm not going to go that far. But he's still a very serviceable reliever, like David said. He's going to have some opportunities to close out games in April, May, and June. It's not going to matter. People are going to try to riot once he blows a save because it's inevitable. No one goes a season unless you're Eric Gagne where you don't blow a save. But Kenley Jansen was still one of the best relievers in baseball, if you believe it or not. He still had an ERA of three. His FIP was about the same. Of all pitchers in baseball, no one gave up uh, less hard contact than Jansen. And, you know, yes, Brandon Phillips had that fluke hit off him, but you know what that hit was? It was a fluke. I know it was probably right down the middle, and there's some questions with his velocity and the movement on the cutter. But Kenley Jansen, when well, he comes in... more than just questions. Those are legitimate concerns. But people don't want to talk about all the times he's on. He also dominated the Braves and was throwing 95 miles an hour. But no, we only want to talk about the bad. That part and, is true for sure. So with Kenley Jansen, I don't expect him to be the closer every day. As David said, there are a number of options, maybe more options than other others. But Corey Knable is definitely a guy I have my eye out on. Every person is raving about this guy. I expect him to be fully healthy, and I think he will run away with the closer role at some point this season. But obviously, Blake Trinan is still there too, and he's awesome. But people just got to stop freaking out when it's a six-run lead and they put Jansen in to get some work, and then here they go on Twitter saying Jansen's going to blow it. It's it's just out of hand. He's the most established closer the Dodgers have ever had, and people treat him like dog poop. Yeah, and I think a lot of this is going to be on Dave Roberts. Like David was saying, this, this is on Dave Roberts to recognize how to use his players and how to put them in the best positions to succeed. We know, we know Roberts has struggled with that in the past with Jansen and with Kershaw. So I think you have to look at that too. You know, look back at some of those moments where, where Jansen was brought in or, or when he was used for the eighth and the ninth inning. And historically, if you look at his numbers, he doesn't do well in those scenarios. And yet they went to him in those situations and he didn't come through. Like the, you have to be able to manage him correctly. And that is one of the keys that I'm going to be looking for early on. Exactly. Is there any guys you wanted to talk about real quick in the bullpen before we do our final thoughts? Nope. No. Okay. Well, I'll go real quick then. You know, I think even though we lost a couple guys like Floro and Caleric, this bullpen is still pretty stacked. And I think this 26 man roster for the most part, there might only be one or two openings. Uh, I think we're going to need a second lefty in that bullpen. Victor Gonzalez being the one lock. I know I, I referred to Victor Rojas in the past as Victor Gonzalez, which I'm very embarrassed about, but 
Scott Alexander, that guy sucks. I know he's probably going to be the go-to That's, option. Come but the on. guy, let's, I'm let's take it easy. He doesn't pitch that much. He had a FIP of five one year and six the other. He is, and he walked a key batter in the World Series that led to the Madsen home run. I, I hate that guy. But that was all Dave Roberts. I'm yeah, sorry. Let's, yeah, let's. I don't that was think all that's Dave fair. Roberts. The guy you got to keep your eye out on is the lefty Alex Vasia. This guy is just flat out nasty, and just don't buy into what you saw with his brief sample size of the major leagues. We talked about it on the last episode, but the the movement and vertical cutting on his fastball is just off the charts. And I expect him to be like a Brad hand type of reliever in this bullpen very, very soon. Uh, Joe Kelly. I don't know what to say about him. He just seems to keep getting hampered with stuff, but I'm excited. You know, we're going to see a number of different options as, as the season goes on. And even Brandon Morrow's coming back, you know, happy to see him return, you know, injuries the last couple seasons derailed his career but early on Freeman and Morrow expressed mutual interest to return so if he can have his 2017 resurgence with the Dodgers definitely rooting for that but we're running out of time here uh Jake what are your final thoughts to close it out just real quick the three storylines that I'm really looking forward to or keeping an eye on are Cody Bellinger's health what Gavin Lux does when they start playing spring training games does he earn the job and what are they going to do with this starting rotation? I'm very curious. Is it going to be a five-man rotation, a six-man rotation? Who's going to be in the bullpen? Those are the three storylines that I'm looking forward to. And, and I'm excited for Sunday. All right, David, I'll give you the final word. Yeah, I'm, I'm just mostly looking forward to the regular season, but spring training is going to be a super fun time to see how our young guys do, how the bullpen shapes up, what Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin roles are, and uh, how they're going to round out this bench. So this is exciting times, and uh, Sunday is going to be a fun day. Thank you for listening to The Incline. Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at The Incline Pod or follow all our social media handles, which you'll see in the description below. But we're really excited for spring training coming up and we got some exciting things ahead. Look for us on Locker Room as well. Download that app because you're going to see us on there a lot talking Dodgers. But everyone have a great weekend and go Dodgers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.